Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, Tom, um, we're back. This is it, the start of a new season. F1 Nation returns. The return of F1 Nation. Yay! I'm so excited about it, Damon. And I've just got off the plane from the Bahrain test and I think it's going to be a cracker. I think 2023 is going to be a cracker uh, and we're going to get some unusual names, I think, up there as well. Hey, how much would you give me, Damon, on uh, Fernando Alonso winning a race in 2023? I, just, you know, I wouldn't give you that much, to be honest. <laughs> it looks like a distinct possibility. I mean, I would never count him out in anything, but that that, um, that car looks quite good. There's been a bit of change, a bit of a shuffling in the order by looking at the testing, but we're going to get into that in a minute, aren't we? We, we are, we are. Now, look, this is our season preview, but for new listeners, F1 Nation is a show where every week during the season, we'll either give you a race preview or a review, or if there's... No race like during the April break. We'll just be talking about the here and now in Formula One. We're going to be talking to drivers, to team bosses, F1 experts from all over the world. And Damon, do you know what? We've been busy over the winter, haven't we? We've been like football team managers looking around for for new signings, people who we think can boost the show, give us, you know, that little bit more up front, get a few more goals. And uh, we've got a new signing, haven't we, Damon? It's brilliant, isn't it? We've got a goal scorer. We've got a top top goal scorer in the team who's right in the hot seat right now. He seems to have landed with his with his slight Spanish connection. He seems to have landed himself in a very interesting place. Well, he has. He has. But before we get on to what he's doing now, I just want to give him a bit of build up. Uh, he's raced in more than 100 Grand Prix. Uh, his first season was your last back in 1999, Damon. He's tested relentlessly for McLaren and Ferrari. And this season, he's going to be working with Aston Martin. And he's joining F1 Nation, Pedro de la Rosa. A very warm welcome to the show. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Hello, Damon. Very happy to be here. Very happy to be with Fast Damon. Uh, that, that Pedro, um, you, some of the people listening to this show might not remember. The last time we interviewed you, you were talking about you being a doppelganger for me. And um, I think there's, if anyone can see the screen that we're, we're talking to each other, they would probably change their minds because your hair is jet black and, and look, you look extremely, a very elegant Spanish look to you. Uh, and I, I look like um, I've got very white hair, so I, I look like Gandalf or something. But anyway, it's great to have you on the show. You are going to spill the beans, mate. You are, you are inside a Formula One team. You're going to spill the beans to us as much as you can without losing the job as to what's going on inside. <laughs> very interesting, very interesting uh, arrangement with Fernando Alonso moving to Aston Martin. Um, and dramatic events as well, of course, because um, Lance Stroll has, has incapacitated himself with his um, pre-season activities, recreational activities on a bike, I believe. But so, so it's, been, it's been a bit of a, 
a bumpy start, but the car looks good. Yes, well, it's a really interesting season ahead of us, and especially when you are inside a team. I mean, your knowledge and your level of understanding of passion just multiplies. So I'm extremely happy to be at Aston Martin this year, and especially, especially because uh, there's so many things happening in house, and uh, there's so many much. I mean, there there is a lot of expectation, but the expectation is is built around things that are happening in the you know in the in the in Silverstone around the the factory in the wind tunnel where a lot of talent joining the existing talent i mean the, the the situation the atmosphere in the team is brilliant so i'm I'm just happy to have arrived at the right time to be honest now look while we're, we're talking aston martin then i thought pedro uh, at the test now this is going to sound ambitious but i thought you were the third fastest team would you agree wow uh, that is a big uh, i mean it's a big uh big uh, statement really to say third biggest uh, or the third fastest uh, i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure i think there's a lot of uh, it's going to be difficult to say until we get to the qualifying because it is difficult to judge by a single lap time but then again if you look at the race simulations done by everyone which is where we have to focus really to get any any performance uh, evaluation of every team we were really fast i mean on the last uh, long run race simulation that Fernando did uh, on the last day, third day at night time, which is basically when the race will happen. It, he was impressive. His degradation was uh, minimal and that was really, uh, he was possibly not the fastest, but he was possibly one of the, uh, the the guys that managed to have less degradation. So it was impressive. Yeah, I mean, why why not? I mean, we have to aim high as well, you know? I mean, we cannot stay, uh, keep playing the, the card that we are going to be beaten by every team. No, I mean, we are ambitious. We we want to feel the work that everyone has been doing in the factory is, 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 is relevant, is important. And why not? Yeah, third team, fourth team, maybe. Let's see. Pedro, we'll come back to Fernando Alonso in just a minute because our little F1 Nation family is now complete because someone has just joined us. Natalie Pinkham is back for more. Nats, how are you? I'm really well. Much better for seeing you and sitting alongside Damon in the studio. Hello. Hello. Delighted to be here. How is everyone? We're great. And can you see our new signing for the year, Natalie? Oh, I can see him very clearly. I can hear him. And actually, Pedro and I did have a little get together at Silverstone. When was it, Pedro? A couple of weeks ago? Well, it was it was just the night before the Mercedes launch because you were presenting. You know, we talked about all the secrets from the Mercedes uh, car design, the aerodynamics that you were aware of, all the you know, which was very useful to to share, and uh, it really helped us in the testing Bahrain. It was also Valentine's Day. Yes. Ah, oh, we got to the bottom of that. Okay. Yeah, I was having dinner with my Valentine's date, Naomi Schiff, and uh, we gate crashed Pedro and Fernando's dinner. They were having a romantic meal for two as well. It, it was, Tom, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, after all these years, I end up the night of San Valentine's having dinner with Fernando, a candle, uh, and then we suddenly <laughs> get Natalie in, in the equation. You know, it was great because it was getting a bit out of hand. You know, this uh, dinner with Fernando alone in Silverstone uh, on San Valentine's. So it was great to have Nat and uh, we really had a, a lot of fun. There were some anecdotes as well during the night, but uh, that's something between <laughs> us. <laughs> we should explain um, that uh, Sky, Aussie, are ramping up, and this is their big day for talking to the press and getting some filming. We've got a show this evening, so we're in the studios at Sky Studios uh, all day. 
won't see the, 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 the light from the sun at all, if there is any sun. No, but we're tanning off the lights from the studio. These are so bright. Yeah, they're really bright. But uh, so we're all, the whole gang at Sky has all been, um, it's going to be flat out all day and, and, and doing predictions of the of the uh, season. So this is great because we're doing this show first. Yeah, so basically what we're going to do is plagiarise everything that Pedro says and pass it <laughs> off as our own and basically make ourselves look intelligent. <laughs> I've got a new name for Pedro. I think we're going to call him the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, because um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be putting him on the rack and uh, and and prizing information out of him. Well, I think he knows a lot more than he's letting on because he played it down when I saw him at Silverstone. Oh no, I'm not sure Aston Martin. And then look what happens in the test. Brilliant. You, you know how it works. You know, I mean, uh, we have to play it down in a way when we are confident. But uh, in any case. I think uh, it was a very interesting test we we have uh, we we went through. I mean, for all the teams in a in a known scenario with all the data that was available from the previous season, with uh, you know with the porpoising and uh, all the issues that uh, all the teams had, you know. So I think that we as a team we learn a lot, but I'm sure every, every team learn a lot with the new regs and the new tweaks in the in the floor height. So. We'll see. I mean, it is. It's. It's always the same in in winter testing. You go there three days. You do long runs. You do short runs. You do. Uh, you try five different compounds. And uh, what what do you know? You, you know nothing about the competitors. You can only say where you are really in respect with last season. That's it. Pedro, just for the benefit of the of the listeners, what's your role in the team? What's your kind of some sort of brand ambassador as well as as kind of communications? person or are you are you actively involved will, you, will we see you on the pit wall i will yeah I, will, I'm, I mean my official role is obviously i'm the, i'm not in the pit wall for sure i mean uh, i i am the team ambassador which means basically i will assist the team in all the communication marketing pr events i mean a lot of try to help the drivers in those events that uh, unload them a bit of uh, work so basically it's it's a bit like acting as a when i was a reserve driver doing the same but without actually driving the car or uh, jumping in the simulator that's my role so I'm, i i mean that's for sure i have no involvement whatsoever in the development of the car but being a team ambassador i mean the point really is that i need to know what's going behind the scenes you know on the team how the team is working who is who what are we testing i mean because at the end of the day the people will ask me and i need to be involved so that that's the main reason why i was uh, at the test of uh, in bahrain pedro be completely honest when news came through of lance's unfortunate accident did you harbor even the smallest slightest hope that you could jump in the car because i would have <laughs> loved to have seen that no, but it is true that uh, I, I mean, obviously, once we, 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 we made the digestion of that terrible news, we, I, I joke with Mike Crack, you know, I, that, look, Mike, if uh, for any reason Felipe is feeling unwell tomorrow, or if we have any issue with Stoffel, I mean, uh, if the worst came to the worst, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm there, you know, so if we need to do a proper, uh, you know, a, a filming day or uh, the, 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 whatever, what type of test, or even if you want to do some uh, race simulations, or whatever, <laughs> I can jump into the car. But then, uh, obviously, he was he, he he thought it was not a very funny joke. So I changed my approach since uh, you know. But why not? You know, I I honestly think that if at one point they would need me, uh, I mean, not for performance runs, but for aero testing or whatever. I mean, of course, I would be more than capable. But it's we have plenty of uh, recent drivers in the team, so we, that's not an issue. Pedro, you've known Fernando for a long time. What is he now? Forty-one. Do you still see that same ferocious competitiveness? 
desire in the man? I, I, Tom, I mean, I can see that even more than in the past. You know, I think that Fernando is uh, he's a, he's a competitive uh, person. Uh, he's a competitive animal. He's uh, he, he enjoys to compete. You know, he's it's his life. The, the good thing about Fernando is that he's a more complete driver in the sense that he's now realized that. Uh, to win, you also need to be a motivator. You need to 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 be able to translate that level of hunger, that level of uh, of willingness of we of winning willingness to the whole organization, to those uh, more than seven hundred people that are pushing for you to to win. You know, so I think that is what I'm I'm learning from Fernando in this new chapter, in this new stage of his uh, career, is the fact that he's still the first full competitor that I met back in McLaren in 2007. But now with a, a much bigger sense or a, a better understanding of what he needs to do in the organizational to make the team more competitive. And this is really beautiful to see. Every time we have a debrief, every time he he speaks on the radio, we are all listening. And, uh, you know, there's always this positive uh, last message of uh, pushing, of uh, making sure that, we do everything to to be better prepared the next day, you know. And this is something that I I hadn't seen from Fernando or that badly uh, in the past. I think he's learned a lot, and he's pushing all of us in all our areas to an extent that was uh, un, unseen before. Damon, I'm sure that you 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 were when when you when you became world champion, you could sense that your input in the team was. It's not about understeer and oversteer. It's much more complex. It's much more powerful, I would say. No, there's a whole different um, aspect to being the lead driver in a team. And uh, it's something that I probably didn't appreciate because I, when I came into Formula 1, I was very much sort of behind Alan Prost or behind uh, Ayrton Senna, you know, as the kind of support role. Um, and then when you get thrown into a championship leading role, you've got this extra responsibility. And I think the great drivers are people like Lewis Hamilton who inspire the team around them. And they learn this uh, skill. And Michael Schumacher did the same. And, and you can go back to, you know, Nicky Lauda and people like that. They know that they have a dynamic effect on those around them and their mood affects everybody else. So I've seen this in Fernando. I saw, I saw him when he was at Alpine. He, he seemed to be taking the load. Mm. And, and the team, could you could see they were kind of pleased that someone was accepting that responsibility it's a big job um but I, he's definitely up to it but um you can equally completely destroy everything if you say the wrong thing yeah absolutely and at, without wishing to digress as well i think it's fascinating to see the transition that drivers make when the realization sets in that that is their role and i'm thinking of someone like lando norris now that daniel's left the team oscar piastri's come in and lando even though he's very young, is a team leader now. And he, he's got that weight of responsibility. I'm sure he'll step up and, um, you know, boss it. But um, it, it's the evolution of a driver, isn't it? Not the beauty about Fernando is that he's, he's, he, he has inherited that role, but he doesn't realize. It's like a natural evolution of his character, of his uh, sportsmanship. And, and he, he's very comfortable in it, you know. There's not any added responsibility in his attitude or he's just happy, he's just relaxed. And, and that's, that's why his message is so powerful inside the organization. It's because it's not fake, it's real, it's strong, you know, it's commitment, it's a focus. And, and this is a brilliant because everyone in the team is like saying, wow, 
You know, we have to we have to give him a bit more. We have to give a bit more in the team. Does he understand his role alongside the boss's son? Is the dynamic between him and Lance going to be different to the anything he's had before in his career? I, I think that Fernando is is very clever and he understands that he has to push the team. And if he, if he pushes the team in the right direction, he will push Lance, he will push everyone, you know? So I think he's, he's, his attitude is is like he he's not fighting against his teammate. He wants the car to go fast because with if, if the car he said to me the other day, if the car is fast, we will we will achieve good results. I don't care if it's my teammate or it's me. We will. And one race it will be Lance. One day and the next race it will be me. But I don't really care. I'm not going to fight with Lance for the you know I don't, he, he said I don't want to waste time with Lance in a race, or I don't want Lance to waste time with me in a race. We are a team. And I, I've, I have known him for a long time. I think that he he has changed. His approach has changed, but it's not because it's Lance or it's anyone in the team. It's because he's 41. He's 41 and he has no time to waste. He, he needs to win. And uh, if, if the team wins, he wins. And it's this confidence, uh, self-confidence of if the team manages to produce a fast car we will win i will win it's not like other teammates that they they say well uh, if my i'm not sure if i will be as fast as my teammate fernando has never had any doubt that if the car is 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 can win he will he will be one of them winning you know he might share wins with his teammate but he will it's the, the difference between some drivers that are fighting against their teammate on a daily basis because they have doubts, inner doubts of the, can I win? Fernando, when you speak with him, he has he, his only obsession is that the car has to be fast enough to win. I love the hashtag that's going on social media at the minute. You, you remember when he was at Alpine, it was El Plan. El Plan was to get Alpine back to the front. Whereas now it's um, Mission 33, isn't it? The mission is to get yes. his 33rd Grand Prix win. Mission 33. Yes. <laughs> Man, I mean, this 33 thing, it's incredible. I mean, in Spain, the situation now is out of hands, you know. Even uh, the other day, I, it was my birthday, so uh, I, I was 52 uh, during the parent Congratulations. And, and, I don't I believe was, it. Yeah. yeah. And not a grey hair on your head. You could easily pass as 50. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know the joke. I was going to, in social media, I was going to post, uh, I, today is my birthday, uh, I'm 33 plus 19, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought to myself, we have to keep uh, the expectations low. I mean, don't start with this uh, mission 33 because it's just getting out of hand. And at the end of the day, we don't know if he will win the 33rd Grand Prix or not. You know, I mean, this is something uh, that, uh, well, we have one season in front to, 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 to discover. But, but this 33 thing is great to feel the, the, the excitement that is generating across the, across the world. Obviously, that's going to be a big story. Fernando and Aston Martin is going to be a great story, and it looks pr very promising. So we like that because anyone, any team that kind of gets his, gets us in the mix of the the top three, mm. makes it more interesting. So you guys were at the test. What looking around, the the vibe seems to be Red Bull are comfortable. Ferrari looked promising, but a little bit erratic, and Mercedes seem to be back where they started last year. Not as bad, but a little bit better. Let's start by talking about Red Bull Racing. 
I caught up with Jack Ploy, who's an F1 broadcaster with Ziggo in the Netherlands. He says Max is totally focused on winning a third straight title. Always. He wants to win every race, everywhere. And do you see, is the hunger as great now as it was when he first came in? I, I saw him coming out of that car and he never had such a real good first test day, did he? Ever. Because every yeah, he year was beaming I remembered after day one. Mm. when he came out of the car, he was a little bit grumpy. <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. But now he came out of that car here in Bahrain on the first test day. He was smiling from ear to ear. He was so happy. I think the general feeling after the Bahrain test is that Red Bull are once again going to be the team to beat. Absolutely. And if they're the team to beat, is Max the driver to beat? Or do you think Checo will put up a, a proper fight? No, no. No, 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 no. Sorry for Checo. I would love to see him up front, but Max is going to beat him. And the rest. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you think having Daniel Ricciardo as the team's third driver will be a little unsettling no. for Checo? No, I don't think so. No. No, I don't think that will do anything to him. He has to, he has to be quiet and silent and do his own thing and make sure that he gets the best out of himself in the car. And then he can win. Yeah. But that's a very tricky thing. Now two Dutch drivers on the grid. It must be fever pitch in the Netherlands yeah, right man. now. Wow, wow, wow. It's good for the sports. Excellent. And of course, Nick, he deserves it. Maybe he deserved it a little bit more earlier, but he couldn't make it. But he did, he did a great move last year. Excellent. What, what can Nick achieve? I mean, he's a rookie, but he's 28 years old. Do you think that'll help him yeah, having a few extra years? Absolutely. Absolutely. What he, he can reach is the maximum the car can give him. I'm absolutely sure that he can get the maximum out of the car. So what he should do, as everybody does, beat your teammate. That's the first thing you have to do. And a little bit lucky. And do you think he can beat Yuki Tsunoda? Yeah, I think he can. Absolutely. Yeah. On his experience. Okay. Okay. Well, look, what about the main man, Max Verstappen? He's going for three in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. Just give us an idea about the popularity of Formula One. Uh, Max, in Holland, the Max Dutch is, Grand Prix is yeah. a sellout. You Ooh, immediately, immediately. <laughs> but the good thing is, is that uh, now a lot of people say, huh, two drivers, are we that good as a country? And that is good for motorsports in Holland in general, because everybody thinks, oh, well, we have a talented uh, country. Oh, we have a lot of people who can. So for go-karting, for, for the support races, everything is very well now in Holland. Everybody's, whoa, racing, motor racing, thanks to Max. Okay, so Max Verstappen, four world champion in 2023. That's your vibe? I think so, yeah. That's my vibe. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he looks very strong. He's very eager. It's not from uh, another, another, another uh, world championship. No, 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 no. But first things first, you know him? Bahrain, coming up Grand Prix, win that one. And then he wins the next one and the next one, and then you become a world champion. That's how he thinks. I think what, what that says to me, we were talking with Pedro about the importance of the driver and inspiring the team. I mean, the guy, Max, he's there to win. He's completely solid. The team have complete faith in him. They know they built it all around him. He gets in the car, he delivers straight off, the, and he gets out. And the, the mood um, that he will give the team, to me, Max, when he got out of the car, every time I looked at him, he, he wasn't going, there wasn't a frown, there wasn't a kind of like sulk on. He just, just goes, yeah, that's good, I'm ready. You know, let's go. Let's, let's fix it from last mm. year where they looked strong and they didn't win the first race. Well, that's the thing. I was going to ask you, 
uh, drivers that question. How important is it to win the first race? It was a double DNF for Red Bull in Bahrain last year and they went on to dominate the season. So sometimes winning when you first go out at the beginning of the season can lull you into a false sense of security and you can think you're on to something special when you're not. It's not that important to win the, the first race if you have such a dominant car as uh, they, they look they, they, they're having at the moment, you know. So I I would say that it's 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 always important to start on the right foot, yes, but, you know, he's done it before. He's, uh, last year they had a dreadful start and they, they won comfortably the championship. So I don't think that Max is in that state of mind where he desperately needs to win every race or, you know, on the first race especially. We're talking about Red Bull. But what about Checo? You know, he put the fastest time up, didn't he? So He's saying in rather ominous terms for his opposition that they're going to start 2023 much stronger than last year. Yeah, but that fastest time Damon has just referenced was, was on the fastest of the tyres, the C5, whereas the quickest tyre we're going to have this coming weekend is the C3. And um, interestingly, Max just stuck with the C3. He just dealt with what he's got. He used what he's got to, to deal with this coming weekend. Let's not forget that, that the tyre compounds are new this year and uh, it's a much stronger front tyre than we had last year, which might tell me racing drivers if I'm wrong, but might induce a little bit more oversteer, which to me lends itself even more to Max Verstappen. I, I could see him being even more dominant over Checo than he was last year. It's a good point, Tom. Yeah, Checo, I mean... Not that it makes a difference, Tom, but it was on the C4. I mean, I don't want to, you know, destroy your F1 nation on my first appearance, but it, it was on the C4, not C5, which doesn't make a big difference at all. But in any case, you're right. I mean, the, the front end is a bit different from this with this uh, uh, new new range of, uh, of tires. However, the lap times, from, if you compare the lap times from this uh, season, I mean, pre-season test in Bahrain to last year, they are incredibly, I mean, so much faster. It is incredible. All the teams are quicker. You know, it's just uh, astonishing. You know, I know that everyone's thinking it's Max in a Red Bull and, and Sergio that is there to kind of back everyone up. But Sergio won't be thinking that. As any racing driver worth his salt, Sergio will be going in thinking, I've got to beat Max Verstappen. You mustn't forget that. You know, and he will be trying everything. So it will be interesting to see him grapple with either he's going to have to grapple with reality, which is that no one can beat Max, you know, apart from a very select few, or he's going to acknowledge that he's going to play a supporting role and hopefully get a one, two in the championship, which they failed to do last year. But um, he seems happy enough there. But he's got Danny Ricardo in the background as well, don't forget. I had a very brief catch up with Helmut Marco at the test and he was talking as if he just won the world championship. I've never known him be so confident. The car is an evolution of last year's RB18, but you know, it's lighter. I think they've, it was, it was too heavy last year. I think they've now got it on the weight limit of seven, nine, eight kilos. They got the CFG where they want it. I, I see Red Bull being utterly ruthless and utterly dominant in certainly in the early part of the season. With regards to the reduced wind tunnel time, I, I know Christian said that they need to be selective and efficient in what they put in the wind tunnel. Is that going to have any impact at all? Well, that's a very good question. It doesn't look like that at the moment. You know, I mean, uh, everyone was expecting Red Bull to have some difficulties in the beginning, you know, at least because they, they obviously have less time uh, than, than others. But it was uh, really incredible how fast they were, how cons consistently fast they were in the long runs, how little they 
they had, especially because also Checo uh, did the, the long runs uh, in the morning where the, the track temperature were exceeding 40 degrees, which makes a massive difference on deck. So, I mean, it's the fact that they were doing the long runs when the track was at its worst that uh, is, is worrying. You know, and then Checo at the end of the, the last day, you know, he did some uh, performance runs, which I'm pretty sure he never used low fuel. I mean, he was far from using low fuel, but just with the C4, the softer compound, one of the softest compounds. So it, it just proves that they are, they, they were trying not only to hide with fuel, but also trying to do the long runs uh, with very high track temperatures to learn more and also uh, hide their true pace, you know, or their true deck. It, it, it was really impressive to see the Red Bull during this, this uh, Bahrain test. Well, let's talk about Ferrari now, guys. Uh, second in both championships last year. The target this year has to be winning. Simple as that. Let's start by getting the thoughts of Sky Italy's Roberto Kinkaro, who says that Ferrari's new boss, Fred Vasseur, has a big job on his hands. What the people believe is that Fred is a, a pure racer. And uh, it's a long time that Maranello was uh, calling a, a racer at the top of the team. And he is. Now we'll see, because Maranello is a very strange place. Uh, you, it's not uh, like other teams. You have a lot of pressure. You have one CEO. You, you have one president. You have the Tifosi. And you have a lot of media. And you have to consider a lot of pressures. Well, does Fred have a good car? What about this year's SF23? I think it's the logical evolution of the last year car. Uh, I think Ferrari uh, didn't need a revolution car. I think they just need uh, an evolution because last year, of course, the second part of the season was not very good in terms of tire management, reliability. Uh, but that are, um, I think, topics that you can... Uh, uh, you can uh, fix the problem that you can try to fix with the evolution. So I'm expecting uh, a good car. Of course, uh, the preseason test confirmed that Red Bull is very strong. I, but it's possible to say now how big wind of uh, uh, how big room of uh, evolution has this project. Um, last year, the, the 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 upgrade program was not uh, as the same level of Red Bull. I hope this year it is because I'm a big fan of uh, sports. My dream is to see two, three teams fighting for the championship in Abu Dhabi and that win the best. Right man for the job, Fred Vasseur? Well, I think so because I like his relationship with Charles Leclerc. I think that dynamic could make a significant difference. I'm interested that, again, as with the other cars, it is an evolution rather than a revolution. They've stuck to the same overall philosophy as they had last year and let's be frank it was a quick car reliability and strategy let them down but the car itself could deliver results and it was the other elements that need pulling together which i feel can be done by a great leader let's see if fred's the one for that yeah i mean fred is a racer he's won every category i mean he's uh, definitely going to be a great team principal there's no question about that mattia binotto was really good for ferrari in the sense that he was the the one of the first team principals that actually could think long term inside you know or took or took the courage or you know the he was brave enough to think in the long mid long term at ferrari where normally at Ferrari, you know, I've been there and every decision is orientated to the next race, next Grand Prix, next Grand Prix. But uh, Mattia 
had the uh, you know was brave enough to during 2021 uh, diminish the the, the the development progress of the car and uh, basically concentrate on the change of regulations from the 2022. It's not easy at Ferrari, so I, I think Mattia did a fantastic job, and we are seeing a very competitive Ferrari. But thanks to to his work as well, you know. So let's not forget that. I agree with you, Pedro. But I think Matteo did a brilliant job, and I think he's been thrown under the bus a bit, frankly. And I, I, but I think the reason he has gone has been as much to do with he, his real his real skill didn't seem to me to be running a Formula One team in terms of the race strategy. You remember the conversation on the podium with Charles Leclerc and stuff, you know, about the managing of the drivers and all that pit wall stuff. Really, it's where Fred Vasseur is really good. I think he's good at looking at a race team, and I think that you know Matteo Bonotto. They look; they've lost a real talent there back at the factory. I think he could be could have been very effective. I don't know what what went on in in there to to think that they could cope without him. But I think that they could have split the roles. I think they could have had you know Fred in there as running Ferrari's operations at the racetrack and kept um, Matteo in there as a as a team principal. Fred's come in and made changes immediately. He's promoted a new strategist on the pit wall, um, an Englishman called Ravin Jane. I mean, he worked uh, on strategy last year, but he's now chief strategist. So, you know, who can remember Monaco and races like that when Charles was on the wrong tyres? There are going to be changes. I love Fred. I think he's um, a brilliant racing manager. Uh, but I mean, I'm only echoing what you guys have already said. And I think Ferrari will go well. I think that they've got more power. They found the reliability again, so they're able to to turn up the engine a little bit more. They've got greater straight line speed. I think we saw that in the Bahrain test. How that will affect tyre wear, I, I don't know. We're going to find out very shortly. But I see Ferrari just sort of knocking around the P2 in the Constructors' Championship. And occasionally, when Red Bull slip up, I could see Ferrari winning a race. But I think that's all it's going to be at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult to 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 really know. I mean, also Bahrain is is not a, the easiest track to get conclusions about. You know, it's very it's a very a track where the you you are very rear limited. There's no stress on the front tires whatsoever, like in Jeddah, for example, in the second race. So I think that a car that is fast in Bahrain, it's obviously will be fast in many circuits, but it's not like a, a winner everywhere else. You know, it's not like a Barcelona where you, are, you, you it's a lot more demanding on the on the on the on the aero, on the engine, on the on the tires, on everything. However, we'll see. And uh, I mean, the, the people at Ferrari, uh, they were complaining about a lot of degradation. They were worried about degradation. They were very fast at one lap. So they use, they have the, that extra speed that uh, they, they have uh, during the first uh, in qualifying. One thing that really was shocking during the test, I'm pretty sure you, are, you, you agree, is the few so little uh, red flags that we had. You know, considering it was the first test of the of the season, there were hardly any red flags during three days. The reliability was incredibly incredibly good, and the, the only red flag that could be down to an engine failure somehow was the the one from the Alfa Romeo. You know, on the last race for by Bottas, the rest was just no issue at all. It, it was we we generated a red flag uh, on the first installation lap of the first day just because we had an electronic issue. That's it. It's uh, it's shocking. That was eight and a half hours a day of running and only that one red flag. It was extraordinary. I think we should have no testing next year. Just go st- straight into the first race. <laughs> How do you, Pedro and Damon, feel about limited testing? 
I, I am uh, against such. I mean, I, I'm I'm in favor of controlling testing, so limiting testing, but uh, a, a preseason of three days, 1.5 per driver. I mean, let's be honest, that there is no time for the driver to to get used to the to all, or, or build the muscles uh, of uh, of being on top of the game or at the peak of his game by the first race there's no way that you can you can i mean and fernando used to say you know i mean there's no no sport in the world where you you throw a tennis player into the into roland garros with no with three days of uh, of clay testing you know or, or practicing i think we've gone too far that's my my view and uh, it's also there's some good points about having such a limit testing is is to see how the teams and the drivers are pushing for the last kilometer you know just trying to be the first in the morning just to get the green light at the end of the pit lane trying to extract a bit more time uh, making sure that the you know that there's no mistakes uh, making sure that all the filming day the 100 kilometers are used to the maximum to make sure that the reliability at the next uh, the, the test will be good there's many things to extract of how efficient we're all being as teams you know but three days 1.5 days i mean let's not forget it's a one car test it is. It's not enough physically. I mean, I'm talking from a physics point of view alone. You know, for the driver. Can you imagine what conversations are going on at Mercedes? The black livery is back, and so are their narrow side pods. The team say they've learned their lessons from a difficult 2022 but will this year be any better let's get the view from germany michael schmidt from auto motor and sport does he think mercedes are going to be challenging for the win this week in bahrain i would say not now uh, they have more troubles than the second place of hamilton might uh, make you think uh, this afternoon they seemed a bit lost uh, because uh, they're trying to recover from yesterday which was a horrible day uh, they had balance issues and uh, they couldn't understand why the car was worse than in the first day so now they were recovering a little bit but Toto said to me they are in the moment both on one lap and on long runs definitely slower than Red Bull on one lap also than Ferrari Were you surprised that they kept this size zero side pot concept? Uh, not too much. I think they wanted to make sure that they start the development on a base they know. If they had started, let's say, with a copy of a Red Bull or a Ferrari, I think it would have been much more difficult to um, find your way back if testing starts with troubles. This base they know. So now I think it's for them easier to find out what is still wrong with it. But I think in a few races time, we might see a different Mercedes, also in terms of side pots. The question was always asked right from the start of last year, 2022, when the new reg cars came out. And everyone looked at Mercedes and went, oh, that's a bit different. And then they had loads of problems all season long. And the question was, have they gone the right way? You know, everyone else had gone down a particular direction with regards to what we see on the outside, on the top of the car. And we, we hear this all the time that, Oh, it doesn't make that much difference. It's what, it's what goes on underneath the car that really matters. But then if it didn't matter, then um, they, 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 you know, they wouldn't spend so much time working about, um, you know, working on these things. But they pursued a similar direction. There is some interesting shapes on top of the car from behind the driver's head at Mercedes that looks like they put some, um, some thought into the way it looks on other cars. And the trouble is 
is there a problem at Mercedes between what their factory is coming up with, what their uh, interior data and analysis of their aero and, and, and everything, and actually what's happening at the track? In other words, some sort of correlation issue, because they, they, they seem very confident they've gone the right way. And yet you have to say, well, it's still lacking something. Um, so anyway, they may have fixed it for this year. It would be great if they have and they get on top of it. Um, and they've, of course, the regulation change of raising the cars um, by 1.5 centimetres is, you know, very controversial. And, and Christian Horn and Red Bull are pretty peeved about that because why should they have to change their cars? But Mercedes managed to, with Toto, managed to push that reg through, which may have on helped. On safety grounds. On safety ground. And so the battle for the territory dragging the 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 terrain into your direction where you know your car might be better that was done last year in the uh team meetings and you'd have to say it's a bit of a victory for mercedes so they've had that advantage given back to them and and they, they have to really get it right this year otherwise they're going to have to conclude they've gone the wrong way damon i mean one thing one interesting thing is the fact that you know, we were all surprised when uh, we saw the Mercedes at the launch because we, I personally was expecting the, the Mercedes to go back to a more standard uh, sidepod design. But the question really is, uh, no one went to the zero sidepod concept, no? I mean... Williams. <laughs> so, Williams. Yeah, but uh, I mean, not, not, not this, this season, you know? So yeah. all I'm saying is that it is... It's when so many teams go in a different direction. There is normally, you know, there are very clever people around. So in any case, Mercedes will be there no matter what. Also, there's a, there was no purposing. No team was complaining about purposing. There was, we, we saw some purposing on the Ferrari, especially on the, on the second day, or, you know, when they were lowering the, the, the right heights massively on purpose just to see where the, the, the porpoising, Por on purpose, porpoising, you know, I'm just <laughs> playing with words, right? Porpoising on purpose. Uh, but <laughs> but the, it was it was incredible for actually, I mean, you know, that the, the teams were not complaining about porpoising, the drivers had no back pains. It was, I think that what it was trying to be achieved, raising the, you know, the one and a half centimeters, the step in the floor was, was achieved. There was less porpoising. So... But but the question remains is if we don't have porpoising, then the Mercedes com concept should be more competitive or it isn't. You know, I think that we will find out in, in a few days. Pedro, you say Mercedes are going to be there. What do you mean by there? Whereabouts? Well, I mean, the, the reality with Mercedes is that they, they should be, I mean, last year they, they already won a race on the second half. They were, were on pole position in Hungary. I mean, with all the issues, with all the zero, uh, side pod zero concept, blah, 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 but they were still uh, pretty competitive. They had let, less tag in many races than any other. So so I think that, uh, I mean, I, I would never underestimate like, like a team like Mercedes. Do I like their car? I think it's ugly. That my, my personal opinion is that it's an ugly car. I mean, it doesn't look fast. So when, when a car is, is, is ugly, it's normally never quick. But it doesn't matter. Well, it, it is not important what I can think about the, their aesthetics. I know, and everyone knows in Formula One, how, how, what a strong team Mercedes is. And no matter what, they will make it work, you know? I would counter that, Pedro, with beauty is in the eye of the beholder, because I actually love the look of the car. What do you think, Damon? Okay, well, I, I, I still, I'm still going to risk disagreeing with you, Natalie, because yeah, I don't, th I don't think it's a beautiful car. I think the Ferrari is a beautiful car, and I quite like the, the, the Alfa Romeo. I think it looks yeah. quite nice. Well, at least that's the 
the colour scheme. Delivery, yeah. Delivery. But yeah, I think it's, it's it's nice. But you're right, Pedro. There's something about the back end of it. There's something about this kind of very wasted bit at the back, which looks. I don't know what it is. It's, it's something to do with the. It reminds me a little bit of the Lamborghini F1 car, which was an absolute catastrophe. I don't know if you remember that far back, but um, that, the engineer that used to work on it called it the rubber sausage um, because oh. basically it twisted so badly. But um, I'm not going to go too deep into the technical side of it. But they, there is a. It's this difference between that and everyone else's fundamental design, where they've gone for a relatively big-ish side pod to try and sweep the air around and under um, the top half of the side pod um, to the diffuser at the back. And you remember, of course, just reminding the listeners that what happened with Aston Martin, Dan Fallows went to from, from Red Bull to Aston Martin, and then halfway through last year, they changed their side pods, and everyone was complaining that it was a copy of the Red Bull. Well, yeah, Aston Martin's going quite well, isn't it? And it's gone down that side pod kind of idea and Mercedes have said, I wonder where there's a little bit of pride involved, where they where they go, well, they've gone that way, but we don't want to copy them. And if that is the mindset, then I'm afraid they might be cutting their nose off to spite their face. We'll see. Well, we, we asked them that, actually, Naomi and I, in the at the launch. At what point do you go all the way back to the drawing board and, and scrap the concept that you've developed? Or, you know, because that would be tempting, surely, just to throw... The baby out with the bathwater. As far as design concepts go, you have to do what's right. You have to do what's fastest. I mean, Toto will be sitting there and going, well, guys, you tell me this is the right way. And we're going to have one more crack at it. And we'll see how things turn out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, should, I can be accused of lack of faith in, in the good guys at um, Mercedes. And I'm sure they know what they're doing. But, yeah, I mean, I think Lewis, Lewis said something about not wanting to copy we're not going to copy everyone else or rebel it's not about copying it's there comes a point where you have to say well this is the direction things are going and it, and it we have to either you know, swallow our pride and say okay well that is, seems to be a better someone's come up with a better solution for this new total overhaul of formula one regulations and we might have just gone the wrong direction and that's that's going to be a tough one for them to have to swallow if they do if they do decide to change. But if it gives them results, everyone will forget all that. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about about this conversation really is that we we concentrate on the side pods, how they look, if they are ugly, if they are aggressive. But then you, you speak with the aerodynamicists or the technical directors from the team, and the last thing they look at is the side pods. You know, they look at the details, at the floor edges, uh, the some front wing. You know. But they, they, you know, it is incredible. They said, ah, I didn't look at the side pod. It's not an important part for, for us, you know, or they, they concentrate on, on other areas that we, we don't even see. So let's not get over too technical on this conversation, Damon, because we, we have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea about, <laughs> about it. We're not. No, otherwise we would be designing racing cars. But it wouldn't be, yeah. Basically, you're right, yeah. Pinks, what was the vibe at the launch? It was actually a really positive one. I think that because, as Pedro's alluded to, they finished the season on something of a high, you know, the win in Brazil, 1-2, in fact, in Brazil, it really did feel like their trajectory was a, a positive one that could be continued into this year because the regs haven't changed. Um, well, nothing's really changed since last year. So I think it, it felt like they could carry on um, as they finished off 22. 
So it was re really positive. I mean, I, I was interested in testing in as much as day one seemed good, day two not so much, and then day three came good. So again, it's a bit of flip-flopping, isn't it? Well, doesn't that worry you, though, that maybe the car is a has a very small operating window? Well, I don't know, but it you know, the, the Red Bull was just ultra consistent from one day to the next, wasn't it? Whereas, as you say, Mercedes had a bad day too. But what is impressive is the way I think both drivers were ultra positive, even when it wasn't going so well on day two. You know, both Lewis and George were were complimenting the team, pushing people forward in the way that we've already discussed with, with Fernando Alonso at Aston Martin. I feel Lewis does that role brilliantly at Mercedes. But... I don't know. I find it hard to see them consistently challenging Red Bull. And I think we'll turn up at Baku and they're going to have a slightly revised design on their car. That's that's my gut feeling. Pedro, can a customer Mercedes team really beat the works team on a regular basis? How, what difference does it make being a customer? Well, I mean, I don't know, but uh, the, the aim is to beat everyone, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if it's a customer team or not, because according to the regulations, you have exactly the same hardware, the same software, the same maps, you know, engine maps as the, as the, as the works team. So what is the difference? I mean, it's not down to the power unit. You know, the power unit should, should be consistent between uh, your manufacturer or the, you know, or the... Or, the, or Mercedes and ourselves. So I think that there is mm, many other areas where the team is concentrating to be better than the rest. I mean, not only Mercedes. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, uh, it has happened in the past. You know, we are accustomed or we are used to having the works team always beating the customers. But with this current Formula One, with, uh, with uh, how it is structured, I think there is a very good chance of having customer teams beating the the manufacturers we had it in the past between red bull with the Renault engine etc so let's let's wait and see but uh, it is it's part of the job you know everyone is pushing like 100 percent, and uh we'll see if they if if we are able to but the aim is really to to try to improve from last year let's not get carried away talking about mercedes red bull you know i think that this is important also from our side to keep the the feet in the ground and not not just because we had a good uh, race simulation or a very good race simulation and let's not forget it was achieved at the end of the last day when the track was really rubbered in uh, the track was cold you know so let, let's <laughs> let's keep this momentum i mean let, let's let's keep our self belief that we can do it but let's make sure that we understand that if we don't improve any further, we won't be able to be in the big league. I mean, I guess the power units are, are not as big a differentiator as they used to be. And as you say, Pedro, the hardware this is the same. So, so it's more down to it's it's more of a chassis battle than a power unit battle. Can we say that? Yes, I mean, I think we all we all agree that the, the biggest differentiator in Formula One is are the aerodynamics. But it's also true that nowadays with uh, with the ground effect. The porpoising effect, the suspension side of, 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 of it is also very, very important. But you remember at the end of the V8 era that all the, the engines were very similar. We had a lot of stability in that area, which was great because we could then concentrate on other aspects. Now I think we are, we are in the end of the hybrid era. So the difference, differences between the power units are minimal. Uh, how they exploit the, the electric or the, or the, all the strategies around the lab, 
how they recharge, how they use the, um, uh, or, you know, how they use that, uh, the, or they har harvest the, the, the electric and energy is, is very, very similar between power units. So that is great because I think that's what Formula One needs, you know, a bit of equality. Tom, the single caveat to that is that Ferrari seems to have unlocked some of the potential they couldn't with their power unit last year. They, they were a bit held back and hampered by an issue which they've, I believe they've fixed, which has given them quite a big chunk of horsepower. We do Alpine. Les Bleus. Les Bleus. By the way, can I start by saying, I actually really like their launch. I know that some people were a bit confused by it, but I love the emphasis on female talent. The fact Nicola Adams is going to be an ambassador for them. I mean, if anyone can teach them about fighting spirit, it's her. Zinedine Zidane, I mean, he's like the ultimate French hero. I loved everything about it. And I love the fact that they are passionately patriotic and they've got two French drivers who, by the way, <laughs> okay, we haven't had any racing yet, but they seem to be getting on really well. <laughs> Wait till those visors come down. But I know it was difficult to get a read on them during the test, but I've just got a sneaky feeling that they could do something special this year. Atmar said that they wanted to get closer to fourth place in the championship, didn't they? Or third place in the championship. Um rather than overhaul that you know the ambitions were to to, to break away from the, the pack right well so i don't know they're going to have a problem now because i definitely think because of aston Aston's gonna, yeah might, might turn that one ironic isn't it they think yeah. they're pulling away from mclaren but, they are but they're not pulling away from aston of all the teams they didn't really show much it's difficult to get a handle on it them was, the test, absolutely it? So we, maybe they're hiding something or they've got something up their sleeve but the Renault pain is good they've got an upgrade coming uh this coming weekend for the race but let, let's talk about that all french lineup and and start by getting the thoughts of fred ferre who is the f1 reporter for the french newspaper l'équipe he told me at the test how france is feeling about alpine's all french driver lineup it's ecstatic everybody's waiting for that uh, maybe because everybody wants to know when it's gonna crash between the two of them two good guys but they both want to be the French champion, the number one of France. And now they are in the same team with the same car. So it's obvious that the one who will be in front will be the best. They've known each other since they were in karting. How, how would you sum up their relationship? Very good when they were very young. And then when they started to uh, perform, it's normal. Then you want to beat everyone. And if even if it's your friend, so then the battle begins and you have the father who are involved and want the best for their son, which is normal too. Then the relationship got not bad, but they didn't talk to each other for a long time, especially because they had a, a, a different path. Uh, Pierre was supported by the French Federation and he was in karting in a national team, then in single-seater in the national team, helped by uh, Yvan Muller, which is a very famous driver, and then Jean Alesi. And Esteban um, had to struggle to uh, find his way. And thanks to Eric Bully and Gravity, he found his way by the Gravity Management and Lotus. And then helped by Fred Vasseur in RGP when he won the F3 Euro Series. 
uh, in front of Mark Verstappen. Uh, Vasser was the one to uh, to uh, say to uh, to give to give the hand to uh, to Esteban and let him meet Toto Wolf. That was the key. Uh, in raw pace, who do you think's quicker? On Saturday, Pierre. On Sunday, I would say Esteban. And does the French media have a darling? Does it have a favourite? I'm not sure. As I love the two of them, I know them for ages, it's difficult to uh, choose between the, your two sons, uh, I would say. But because Pierre was the first to win a Grand Prix after 24 years of no victory, I would say that Pierre changed the, the game. And he is more known than Esteban. And because of that, he is maybe the favorite of the French. In terms of pace, do you think Alpine can join the top three teams this year? I would say that they are better in better shape than last year. But if they are in good shape and they can join uh, Mercedes, let's say, then it's going to be difficult bet between the two of them. If the car is not performing at all, I'm pretty sure that they are clever enough not to uh, waste their time and their image crashing in each other for uh, fighting for 12 or uh, 10. If they can fight for podium, then they won't let any space for the other, even if it's your teammate and he's French and you know him since he's four. What did you make of the car at Team Pedro? Because we did see some minor porpoising. Uh, it did also look quite stiff and at times quite difficult to handle. Well, I, I went to see the, I went uh, around the track on the last day to, you know, corner by corner. And I, I was, I really liked uh, how their car looked. It looked very good, uh, very stable. And uh, the fact that they were not worried at all about the, the lap times, you know, they were, they were really concentrating on the long runs, on the tire deck. I, I like the way they, they approach the test, you know, with no necessity of doing a fast uh, lap time to impress anyone. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I would take, uh, take uh, Alpine very seriously this season, to be honest. And as Tom said, you know, they have an upgrade, which is also interesting because I don't think many teams will have an upgrade uh, just in a f you know, few days after the test, just before the race. So, so that looks uh, more encouraging for them. About the nationalities, you know, I mean, I know this program is called F1 Nation, yeah, but uh, I, I think that talking about nationalities nowadays in Formula One is it's 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 old-fashioned. We are not we are a global world now. I mean, it doesn't matter the drivers which nationality they are or where the team is, or because you could be talking about a French team, but it's based in the UK. So what is it, a French team or a UK, you know, a British British team? It doesn't really matter. So I think that. Uh, or, or Ferrari, for example. Let's put Ferrari as an example. It's an Italian team, but the new generations that are getting involved in Formula One, they love Ferrari. They can love Ferrari, but they, 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 you ask them if it's an Italian team, and some of them don't even know. It doesn't matter if Ferrari has Italian drivers or not. They love, you know. So I, I think that talking uh, nationalities is nowadays is is old fashioned. No, no, Pedro, Pedro. Ferrari is an Italian team. D Damon, how old well, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you're right, it's a global brand. People love just Ferrari in itself. They might not necessarily love it because it's Italian, but if you try and say to an Italian that it's, uh, Ferrari's no longer Italian, it's a multinational brand, you might get a bit of a reaction to that. Will the French media give a honeymoon period to 
Pierre and Esteban, or will they start playing them off against each other? That's where the pressure is going to come from, isn't it? Yeah, well, but but Tom, I think that the, the relationship uh, Esteban-Pierre, uh, uh, it's not because they are both French. It's just that when they were karting, the relationship was not good back then. So it is not that, you know, that it's because they are French. It's just because in the past they, they had the, their, their moments in karting, you know, that, that's where the, 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 the situation starts. So then again, you know, it's what I'm talking about is just that it doesn't really matter from my understanding if Pierre is French and Esteban is French. It, it's irrelevant. It's just uh, how the team manages to get their relationship going and uh, making sure they think about the team and not about themselves. Pedro, I did a, um, a thing, a driving thing last year in France, and there were uh, we drove around and went to some fantastic restaurants and hotels, and there were various different cars. And one person, one person turned up in an Alpine. Okay, it was a lovely little blue Alpine, and and everywhere you went, all of the cars were flashing him. They've got a strong motorsport heritage. Renault are very proud of their history in Formula One. And I know it's called Alpine, but basically it's a Renault. And that is, so that is an important dimension. And to have two French drivers, definitely it's, um, it's a big deal for, for them. They're, they're definitely coming in as a kind of more Franco-file team. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. I like that idea. Obviously, they lost a great Spanish driver. So we'll see how they get on. I mean, you know, they're two Brits at Mercedes. It's just it's the deep rooted competitiveness between Pierre and Esteban, whether they can look beyond that, isn't it? Hang on. What, what's going on? Uh, you two, Damon and Nat, look like you're being pulled in every direction. Well, Damon's got to go to makeup and he needs at least an hour in there. So uh. we have got the Sky F1 preview day, season preview day. And yeah, it's exciting. It's getting us fired up. And we're going to be asked predictions all day today. So should we kick off here now with you? What are your predictions? I predict it's going to be a, it's going to be a great season. Watching the battles between the the big sluggers, you know, the big hitters, uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And I, I so you are putting Mercedes I, in that mix. I I think we have to put Mercedes in the mix. Down the field, it's going to be great. Such a tight packing and the the, the cost cap and the regulations. Now we're going to see the the grid bunch up. So there's going to be many times when people slip up in qualifying. It's going to be down to the competition on the track. So it's going to be a mixed bag through the field. I don't think you can say it's going to be more predictable. It's it's going to be less predictable, if anything. Yeah, and I think it's going to be track specific as well. I think we will go race to race, and as Damon says, not be able to call the packing order. I do think though I'm with you, that Red Bull have evolved from an already incredibly strong car at the end of 22, potentially an even more dominant one this year. Well, have fun, you two. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Thanks very much. Let's move on from Alpine and discuss their main rivals in 2022, McLaren, for whom the pre-season test was far from easy. Let's get the thoughts of F1's Lawrence Barreto. Oh, it's going to be a tough one. They're behind on the targets that they've set. Their car that they had to start with wasn't at the point in which they wanted it before the start of the season, so they're already down there. I think there is a feeling that they haven't got things like you know the wind tunnel up and running yet, and so there's a, there's a weight in. They're in transition, if you like, and it's by no means as bad as it was last year when they were having the brake problems that really hurt them throughout the year and really stunted their development. But this isn't a great start for McLaren and, and they will know that and I think if you look around the team 
I'm not saying their shoulders are down, but they're definitely not up at the minute. And I, I, I feel for them because you look around and you've got Alpines, you've got Aston Martin, you've got Alfa Romeo and, the, and Haas, and they've all got their you know feathers up and they're excited about the season. And I think it's as much as McLaren not doing a, a, a great job, it's everyone else doing a, a pretty decent job and that's going to probably move them ahead of McLaren. What do you think Lando Norris is making of it all? I, just, I literally just saw him, Thomas. I came over to talk to you and... Um, he's down if I'm being honest because I think he's come into this year and I think he knew and he knows the, f- the short term is going to be a challenge but I don't think he was expecting this year to be more challenging than last and at the moment as it stands that's the way it's looking his focus has got to be obviously just making sure he comfortably beats Oscar and I think he'll back himself to do that but like he's signed this long term contract with McLaren he was the only guy who wasn't a Mercedes Red Bull or Ferrari driver to score a podium last year so he wants to be kicking on he, he came so close to that win, that pole, um, you know, a few years ago. He wants more. And I think if he goes into this season and he's struggling to get into Q3, I think he's going to find it really challenging. You say he's going to back himself against Piastri, and I, all racing drivers have to back themselves. But do you think Piastri's the real deal? I honestly am not sure. I think if you were to talk to a lot of people, and I have in F2, they rate him so highly. And when Alpine lost him, they were devastated because they genuinely feel that he is something special. But what have we really got to go on, Tom, in terms of him and Formula One machinery that really will tell us whether or not he can make that step up? Stoffel Van Dorn didn't quite make that big step that everyone thought he would have done when he came in, but then equally other drivers like Charles and George have. So it's very, and Lando um, have. So I think it's tricky. I think Oscar's coming in on a really low basis of mileage. I think it's going to take him some time. I think the very fact that Andrea Stella's saying we're going to give him some time to settle in shows how difficult this stage is going to be. But by then, Lando could be 50 points ahead, you know, by the time Oscar's. And then it's all about how Oscar deals with that mentally. It's great, I think, that he's got Mark Webber in his corner to help him because I think that's going to be the most challenging thing this year. It's not allowing him to get mentally beaten because if he can kind of get on top of that and really understand that he just needs a year to bed in and what looks like a difficult car to get around, um, I think that's going to be the most important thing. That's F1's Lawrence Barreto. And Zach Brown thinks they can still get P4 in the Constructors' Championship this year. What do you think, Pedro? Well, I mean, the, the first thing I must say is uh, I, I also have good friends uh, at McLaren and uh, I was a bit shocked or surprised by the fact that they were very open uh, about their situation, you know. Uh, and normally when you are that open about uh, the car not being quick enough or having missed some development uh, avenues, etc., uh, it means that you're really, really in it you know <laughs> so so uh, i think they will struggle for sure because that that's what they are saying but it's mclaren they have a you know a great team behind which i'm sure that they will eventually be fighting for again for the fourth place in the constructors mm, how quick they will manage to recover the time uh you know i don't know but they were definitely struggling and also tom if you look at the at the, at the test how the test went there were many days where the the two drivers uh, made very different lap times, like two seconds between them. And this is because they were following different uh, different programs. So you could sense that at, at some point during the day, they were with lower fuel just to, to get them up the grid or up the, the order. And that's normally a bad sign in any team when the two drivers, the gap in lap time between the two is quite big, is that they are trying to explore the car a bit more in the different fuel loads, but especially because they also want to, to feel how quick they can go or how, how the car behaves with low fuel, etc. We'll see. We'll see, but they will 
they will struggle at the beginning of the year as they as they have already told us. Were you surprised to see them in this situation, given where they ended last year? And let's not forget, had they had two drivers scoring consistently last year, they would have beaten Alpine in the Constructors' Championship. So to suddenly see them struggling, A, for pace, but also there were just some silly... Silly things really going on, I thought, at the test, strengthening the winglets and sort of pretty fundamental stuff that you don't often see going wrong in this day and age of Formula One. Yes, I, I was surprised, especially because it's McLaren and because it's the second year in the with the with this new regulation. So it was a bit surprising that they had suffered so much with uh, with a 15 millimeter change in the in the step, the floor step. So. It's it's surprising because everyone has recovered that that points of downforce. It was strange to see them hitting issues that had had been not seen before with their car. But anyway, you know it's early days. Uh, you know Andrea Stella is a fantastic engineer. Uh, I think he will become a, a great team principal, which I really think that he is. Uh, I work with him at Ferrari, and I have all. I mean, I really enjoyed work, working with him. He's uh, such a technical, precise, accurate individual with great values, hard worker. I think he's. He will be one of the surprise of the of the year. How how good of a team team principal Andrea Stella will be at McLaren. And what of Oscar Piastri? You know, F2 champion a couple of years ago, F3 champion prior to that. He had to sit out last year, which was, I guess, a, a loss of momentum for him. And then uh, there was all the controversy about where he was going to drive. But in one and a half days testing, is he going to be ready come the first race? Or do you think what we were saying earlier, he just needs longer in the car? No, I, I think that the Oscar, I mean, of course, that... Uh, being one day of one year, you know, not, not not racing is not good for anyone. I've been many years not racing, and it def- definitely doesn't help. But he has had so much testing with Alpine on the with the his, with the old cars, you know, the historic cars. He has had so much uh, testing also with McLaren. Uh, let's not forget that these guys, you know, we were talking previously with Damon. Fast Damon about the about the limited testing, but all these teams now have uh, their teams of uh, historic cars, so they are basically uh, jumping or preparing themselves before Bahrain in the the old cars, Formula One cars, which gives them the mileage, the knowledge of uh, of the, what is a Formula One. So I think Oscar is a, an expert on all that, and he's been doing a lot of that with Alpine, but also with McLaren previously. I mean, during the month of uh, February. Uh, uh, Oscar was testing, and no, also November he was testing in in Barcelona, you know, with uh, with um, with McLaren. So that is great because we we think that he is not experienced enough, or he might need more time. But he's actually had a lot of uh, thousands of kilometers in a Formula One car. It is true that it's not the current car, but he's had one and a half days exactly the same as any other in the grid. Uh, so so I think he will be very fast straight away. And can they rectify their problems and save their season? I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, difficult to say. I mean, uh, my, my work or our team work, Aston Martin, is make sure that they, they don't catch us. You know, so, so <laughs> let's, let's see. <laughs> Let, let's, let's hope they can recover the fourth place, but they still cannot make or overtake us because it will mean that we were further up. <laughs> yeah. And Pedro, do you think that we're going to, that that middle order is just going to be even closer this year and we're going to see Williams joining 
mid-grid mayhem? I think that it's it's a, a fantastic year we are looking ahead because Red Bull looks one step ahead of everyone. But I'm not too sure that this year we will see the three teams and then the rest of the world, you know, like we've seen in the past. I think that at this moment, after Bahrain, with the limited testing we've had, there is like one team that stands out, like Red Bull. But after that, there is, a, I mean, there is a, the gaps are very small between uh, a Ferrari, a Mercedes, Aston Martin, uh, you know, Alpine. Alfa Romeo was also very fast at one point during the test. So it is, it is you know, it's, 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 it's brutal. It's fantastic to see that uh, how compact the grid is. Hopefully I'm wrong and uh, Red Bull is not that much ahead of the rest and we have a fantastic season in front. But it looks very, very competitive from the second team to the, to the last team. And even, even Williams looked a lot, I mean, looked much, much more competitive than last year. So let's, let's, uh, I think we're looking for a very interesting season where some teams will adapt at some type of uh, circuits better than others. And we will see different, different things. It will, it will be, not be a, a monopoly, you know, of, 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 the, of the top three teams. You mentioned Alfa Romeo there. Joe Guan Yu was fastest on day two of the test. Andreas Seidel has hopped over from McLaren to be their CEO. Do you like what you're seeing at Alfa Romeo? Well, I, it's a team I know a bit because I was there at Sauber. Uh, I know the people. They're still uh, the, the core of the, of the team is, is very much the same as in the past 10 years. So it's, that is it's a, it's a big asset to count with talent, known talent and uh, that the remain in the team. Uh, and I think uh, Andrea Seidel is, 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 will be a fantastic team principal there. He has the same mentality. He knows uh, the people. He has the experience at McLaren of being a Formula One team principal. So I think they will be a team that will, will, will definitely get stronger and stronger. And uh, Bottas's haircut very quickly. You like the mullet? We need to get Damon to get a mullet, really. We need to speak with Bottas. I mean, it's not only the the haircut, but also the the mustache and stuff. You know, we we need to make sure that uh, he he looks he, a bit more aerodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what, Pedro? I feel Valtteri has really come into his own at that team. The guy I see now is so different to the man who was at Mercedes alongside Lewis Hamilton. He's so relaxed. He's he's funny. Um, the look, the mustache, the, the the mullet. He just he has that sort of star quality, that leadership that I think that team needs. And, and, and we know he's fast over one lap. The car looked, I thought, decent over one lap, just as, as you say. So if they can keep the momentum going, last year they started strong and then slightly petered out in the second half of the year. If they can keep some momentum going, I could see them being, you know, well, they were P6 in the constructors last year, at least that again this year. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you about Bottas and uh, Valtteri. You know, I, th- I think that as a racing driver, w- once you are in a, such a, an unlucky position of having a teammate like Lewis Hamilton or Fernando or, you know, or Max Verstappen, you need to be very realistic with yourself. And if you're not capable of beating your teammate because they are more talented or, you know, I mean, full stop, you need to understand that, okay, I cannot keep saying that I'm, I want to beat them, uh, I am as good as them, uh, you know, because you, you end up in a psychological depression. 
you need to be realistic, realize that guy is faster, and make sure that on a bad day of the other guy, you will beat them. But it, it's not a drama if you finish second. And eventually, if you have a good season, you might end up beating the other guy, you know, but not because you are more talented. It's just because you are at the peak level of your given level. And this is something that I think Bottas has learned. The problem is that he's not at Mercedes anymore with Luis as a teammate, you know, but I think we've seen this uh, grown up Bottas. And when you arrive to this state of mind, you are a much more relaxed uh, individual. You are happy with your life and you perform at a higher level. So if he got plugged into Mercedes again, do you think he'd perform better? Absolutely. I'm sh- as long as he uh, he has uh, understood this uh, this process, you know, uh, if he goes back into a top team or, you know, with, uh, with Luis again, with Mercedes, and he starts thinking, I can beat him now because I had um, two extra years at Alfa Romeo, then forget it. We we <laughs> we will go we will go to the the, the, the stage one of, of of the situation. You know, I, I'm sure. I mean, I, I'm saying this very easy to say this. You know, I mean, the difficulty really is when you're in the in 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 the in in war when you are in front of one of these monsters uh, uh, teammates. Uh, be able or have the the clarity to understand what your role is and how to extract the maximum from your talent. This is the difficulty because it is very easy for you know for us to say yeah you know I mean I'm going to beat him in the next race I know what mistakes I made but if I don't make these mistakes ever again you know blah 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 but then you end up in a in the, this uh, auto depression you know you you depress yourself even further and you get to a point where you are, are actually a shadow of what you could be. There's a few teams we haven't talked about Pedro Alpha Tauri, Williams Haas. So at Haas, the Hulk is back. Nico Hulkenberg returns at Haas for his first full season since 2019, three years out. Michael Schmidt thinks choosing Hulkenberg to replace Mick Schumacher was the right call. Yes, I understand, because for Haas, obviously, it's very important to uh, finish the season high up in the midfield because every position means more money. Uh, I think they paid a little bit of price for... Um, lacking of experience in the cockpit. Last year they had only Magnussen with experience. Mick Schumacher was in his second year, but obviously you never have the same experience like somebody like Nico who had done, I don't know how many, 10, 10 seasons already. So for them, I think it was a pr- pragmatic decision. Nothing personal against Mick Schumacher, more, the, some, uh, more with the background that they wanted to have experience in the cockpit to have better results. How long will it take Hulkenberg to get up to speed after effectively three years out? I think not so long because he proved in the few races he did in between because he was replacing people who were sick or yeah, mainly sick. Um, he proved that he uh, accustomed to the cars quite quickly and uh, he was in all these five races up to the pace of the teammate. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that Nico is a fantastic, uh, super quick driver, and it will all, all only depend on how how motivated he is and how how much he he wants to step up, you know, into the racing role again. I mean, we will see. He's uh, super talented. He he has a, he's one of those guys that it's shocking that he has never been in the, you know, has never managed to to be in the podium in Formula One, but. It will very much depend how motivated he is, you know. 
It's uh, he's been in all sort of teams. I think he will be very motivated, but he will have a, also a, a extremely strong benchmark in in Kevin, because Kevin is giving it all, you know, and he's uh, at the peak of his level. So let's see. It's 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 on his hands, but uh, he will have to work hard. That's a really interesting battle, isn't it? Hulkenberg versus Magnussen. Who do you think is going to come out on top? I think they will be, be very, very, very evenly matched. You know, there will be one race where Kevin is in front and Nico. I think that they are both very experienced, very good, very fast, very strong, very good in the in the wet as well. They are two two drivers. Uh, Kevin is a bit more aggressive on the first laps, maybe a bit too much sometimes. Uh, Nico is a, more of a, a a long-term player. He knows how to control himself in the first few laps of the race. We'll see. I think there will be. It's a really interesting pair of drivers, you know. And uh, I think it's up to Gunther to make them work properly as a team. It's interesting as well, Tom, the fact that uh, we have Haas that they went with uh, with uh, Mick Schumacher, Mazepin at one point, and then they've decided to uh, go only for experience. So they don't want to go back into the taking any any chance, which is a shame, really, because as a as a as a team where you uh, has you know that they have to promote talent not only on the but engineering side, the mechanics, but I think they should also take some risk on the on the driver lineup, you know, and go for some some new talent. But that's only my personal opinion, obviously. And as for Alpha Tauri and Williams, obviously Nick DeVries is coming in alongside Yuki Tsunoda at Alpha Tauri. I thought the car didn't look great in, in pre-season testing, but we're going to find out more when we go racing. And Williams, as you said earlier, looked like they've made a step forward from last year. But let's get the thoughts of F1's Lawrence Barreto. So I spent some time with their old boss, Yost Capito, over the winter, and he is convinced that they've got a good car. Like, Because the car that he left, effectively, is the car that Williams have got now. No one would have had the chance to change. And he, he feels that a lot of the work that they put in should put them in the mix to be in the midfield pack. Not at the front of the midfield pack, just in the mix of the pack. And I think so what will represent a good year is I think we're going to see Alex in the early phase going for Q3s. I think we're going to, on, on certain certain tracks I think we're going to see him pushing for points because Alex brings that extra couple of tenths of a second to that car and he'll really be able to hustle it and he's talked about the balance being so good and if you can start a weekend with a good balanced car you can really make progress quite quickly and I think Logan will feed off all of that what will represent a good season for him just trying to keep up with Alex I think and not making sure that gap isn't too big I think he's going to struggle in that early phase to get out of Q1 because I think it's the reality of getting used to a race weekend and how it works and building up to qualifying and we've seen how you know the likes of Yuki has really struggled to kind of just get that rhythm through the weekend so it's going to be tough but I do think Williams are probably still going to finish last in the Constructors Championship it will just be much closer and they'll have a few more highs say this season where they score points. Another F2 graduate on the grid this year, Logan Sargent. He was fourth last year. Give us your thoughts on him. I think if you base it on the Silverstone weekend that he had last year in F2, it was a phenomenal weekend for him. You talk to anyone involved in his team then, anyone at Williams who watched what happened that weekend, and they were saying, you know, this guy is the star of the future. But it just wasn't consistent enough last year. They obviously had... Williams already had Logan in the family, in the driver academy, and so they've got to learn to know him. And over the last year or so, he's really come out of his shell, but he's still really, really quite quiet. And that has an impact on the feedback that he gives to the team, the confidence he has to really say what he feels the team should do. So I think it's going to take him some time to kind of 
bed into that team. I think the benefits are that Alex gets on really well with him, has been very open in trying to help him settle in. Um, I like what he did in testing so far. I think he got a lot of laps. He's got his head down. The team just say, give him a program. He does the program. I think these are really basic things that often racing drivers aren't so good at. So I think it starts well, but it's going to be a tough year. Alex is driving personally at the peak of his performance. And I think to beat him in a team where he's so settled is going to be challenging. But I do think that Logan, if he can kind of get a good start to the season, could have a good year. My question to you about Williams Pedro is actually regarding James Vowles. He's their new team principal. In the press conference at the test, he was very impressive. I thought spoke very well. So what kind of a job do you think Vowles will do for Williams? And how much of a loss is he for Mercedes? It's it's a difficult question, Tom, because I've never worked with uh, James. So I've, you know, all I can say is that everyone that has worked with him uh, professionally and also f- common friends we have, they speak very highly about him, you know, not only as a professional, but as a person, as a human being. So so he will be a loss for Mercedes, first point, I mean, for sure, because, he, you know, Mercedes always has had this core group of people that uh, they, they, they were top engineers, uh, fantastic, uh, you know, strength giving to, the, you know, but also they were, they were, they were going on holiday together. So I think it's very important when you have this type of relationship as well. You know, you are you respect the guys professionally, but you also enjoy your time with them when you travel, when you go to the races, or even when you go on holiday with the family. So, so I think that he will be deeply missed in the team, and he will be a fantastic team principal. I mean, that that is for sure because the, the only downside he might have is that he cannot follow the approach he's had at Mercedes in a team like Williams. You know. Uh, basically, he ha- he has to be a lot more pragmatical because uh, obviously what he's inheriting is not a a perfect machine that you only have to put a bit of oil in the in the gearbox. You know, I mean, he will have to make structural changes and make sure that he he knows how to spend the limited budget uh, in every department. Blah blah blah. But I'm sure that the guy like him will will manage to do that because at the end of the day, he was a strategist. You know. <laughs> yes. What is his strategy with Williams? Yeah. Well, I asked him what job number one would be for him. And he said it's it's getting um, a technical director in. That's what we need, he said. I don't know where you look, uh, whether you go for uh, experience, whether he can lean on someone he's worked with before or whether you try and pluck someone young and exciting Um but uh, that's his first challenge. And if you go for someone who's experienced, then it's, well, how long is the gardening leave? When are you going to be able to start at the team? So I think it's going to be a while before we see Williams making true progress up the order. They'll be closer this year, but I think they need all those, um, everything like a technical director in place before they can make real progress. Pedro, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. It really is. Like we asked Damon and Nat, go on, give us your, your final prediction of how you think it's going to end up this year. You mean final final of the championship? Yeah, when we're in Abu Dhabi, who's going to be lifting the trophy or, or will they have already lifted it by then? Okay, I mean, and the winner is Max Verstappen. <laughs> it's hard to see it going anywhere else. And, you know, I thought, I wondered whether after winning back-to-back titles, whether he might just, I don't know, have lost that je ne sais quoi, that, that hunger in any way. And I saw nothing of that at the test. I thought he looked leaner and meaner than I've ever seen him, actually. Yes, you're right, Tom. And you know what really impressed me about Max is that 
his first few laps with the new car were impressive. He went out and immediately was lapping like if he had been born in that car, you know. Uh, how how easy it made it look. And when you look his his onboard cameras, he's just not fighting with the car at all. He's just flowing. It looks it looks easy, you know. And uh, so I think that he's at the at a fantastic level. The the team is giving him exactly what he needs, and uh, he will be a tough competitor. Difficult not to bet for him. Ah. Well, I'm going to agree with you and say Max is going to lift the trophy, but I think Mission 33 is going to be a success. And I do, I do think that Fernando Alonso will win a race this year. It won't be a straightforward race. It'll be one where there's some wet or the leaders crash for some reason. Or, But I think he can do it. And I think it would be such a good news story for Formula One when it happens. I hope you're right. But in any, you know, with Fernando, we say, look, we are at the stage we are in now in our lives. No matter what, we will have fun. And believe me that we are having a lot of fun in Aston Martin so far. The atmosphere in the team is fantastic. And, and it is up to us, really, that make sure that this, this atmosphere remains the same, even if the results are not as good as we are expecting. You know, I think that it's a dynamic process. It is extremely fragile. When you you know the, the the atmosphere in a team can can swing either way, Fernando is convinced, and I am also you know trying to do my best in making sure that this atmosphere remains the same. Now, before we go, here are a few notices. First up, ask the nation. Okay, this is F1 Nation. We really, really want you to be involved this year. Any questions or queries you have, please ask us. And in the past, we've put Damon on the spot. He's answered your questions in Ask Damon. But this year, myself, Pedro and the rest of the team want to get involved too. So we're going to do Ask the Nation. You can get your F1 questions answered by the whole team, including Damon, of course. So get them ready, record them as a voice note and send them to f1nation at f1.com. That email address again f1nation at f1.com. We're also going to be playing F1 Fantasy this year. We're setting up an F1 Nation team that we're going to manage. We'll spend our virtual $100 million budget on two constructors and five drivers that we think are going to score the most points. If you want to join us, and please do, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's free to play. Just search online for F1 Fantasy to sign up. Then choose your car and drivers ahead of the first race and we'll give you details of our F1 Nation League next week. And F1 Beyond the Grid Season 6 starts this week on Wednesday the 1st of March. Please keep an eye on the Beyond the Grid podcast feed for our trailer and first episode. You're going to have to wait to find out who that first interviewee is, but I promise you it's a good one. But for now, from all of us here at F1 Nation, thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday to review the first race of 2023. Pedro, thanks so much. And I'll see you in Saudi Arabia. See you then. And uh, maybe we can do the F1 Nation there with uh, with Fast Damon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fast Damon. There we go. You've coined a new one. Brilliant, Pedro. Look, take care. Thanks Thank so you. much for your time. Thank you. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.